Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am super excited to be with you today on this podcast platform. A Ray of Hope evangelizes through film, music, and events, and this podcast gives us an outlet to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith. So what makes us happy? What gives us joy? Are the two the same? All of us are striving for happiness, right? But what does it mean to be in a constant state of joy? Viewing the world through the lens of joy, regardless of what's happening in our lives. Now that's interesting. And and how do we do that? Is that even possible? Well, our guest today is Christopher Stefanik, and he's going to help us better understand where true joy resides. It's going to be a great episode. So welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. So here we are, David. We're back for a reason for hope. I'm hoping that you have some reasons for hope. I always think we should have reasons for hope. <laughs> yes. But how are things going? How is school and how are classes and what's shaking? Well, it's uh, it's going pretty well. I have to be truthful. It's It's been a real learning experience. I'm teaching three more classes than mm. usual this year because I'm That's back busy. in the classroom full time. Yeah. And so I'm getting to see more of the students every day. It's not that I never saw the students in my administrative work in campus ministry, but to see them every day for 45 minutes to an hour Hmm. each day, you really get to know them. And, uh, you know, there's this place in the semester when they start to get a little more comfortable, and that can be a bad thing as well as a good thing. But Mm. one of the things that they will do is begin to push back a little bit more and question you a little bit more and tell you when they don't agree with what you're saying or when they don't agree with what the church is teaching. Hmm. And uh, and I'm really getting a, a lesson about where this generation's at and what they think. In a way, it's kind of exciting. You really have a pulse of what this generation feels and 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 how they're thinking. And I, and I bet that's quite an eye-opener. Yeah, I, I wish my eyes were closed, I have to be honest. Uh, sometimes it's um, it's discouraging because mm. it reveals how much they're being influenced by the world yeah. and the way the world thinks. Yeah, I, I mean, like, for example, they don't even tend to think that objective truth exists, but that everything is subjective or socially and culturally conditioned. Mm. So that's really just frustrating. And if you press them on it, they might, you know, you might be able to get them backed into a corner. But but then they just kind of throw up their hands with some statement like, oh, well, that's what you think, but that's not what others think. Like, and that's just a statement. That's not even an argument. But they kind of like get dismissive that way or or they make just, you know, they pull some fact out that they heard and think that that stops the conversation when mm. it's really only a premise and an argument they're not making. Yeah. So uh, so that could be really discouraging. You know, that's sort of where they're at, is that arguments don't matter, objective truth doesn't exist. And when you don't think the way they think, well, whatever. Look, don't get discouraged because I think, uh, you know, you're planting seeds of grace. And if they may not realize it now or may not agree with you now, it'll be years to come. And I'll say, you know, Dr. Heideck, you know, he did make some sense. And, you know, now I see his point of view. That's what we can hope for, right? I mean, that's That's the hope. That's right. This is important because today our topic is true values, true joy. And our guest today is Christopher Stefanik. And, you know, I have a quote for this. Only true values can lead people to realize themselves fully. That's from St. John Paul's encyclical, Faith and Reason. Yeah, this is a very important topic because we live in a culture that really doesn't acknowledge any idea of true values. We only see subjective values. We don't see values as being something objective. It sounds like you're talking about relativism. 
Yeah, that's that's precisely what I'm talking about. Mm. Relativism is is really sinister for a lot of reasons, but um, one of the reasons is that uh, we talked about how you know love means giving myself for the good of another, and how I have to know what is good if I'm going to really love. Well, if there's no such thing as good, then how do I love? You know, and how can it be that like for one person? This means love, and then the very contradictory thing means love. It just doesn't make sense. Really, the casualty of, of relativism is authentic love. So, Dave, what do you think is at the root of relativism, and what does it say about where God stands in our culture? Maybe you could shed some light on that. This really goes, I think, to the heart of the problem, Mario. I think really it's a rejection of God that leads people to this notion of relativism. To it, it can really be seen as going back to the garden. Uh, St. John Paul II talks about in his uh, encyclical letter, The Splendor of the Truth, how really the, the choice in the garden is not a choice to know good and evil so much as the choice to decide for yourself what is good and what is evil. So eating from the fruit of the tree means I decide what's good. I decide what's evil. Where leaving that tree alone means I conform my life and behavior to what God said is good and what God said is evil. So it's a rejection of God that, that is manifested in relativism because it's basically I'm going to decide what's good for me and what's not. You decide what's good for you and what's not. And you can't tell me what I can do and I can't tell you what you can do. Unless, of course, what you choose gets in my way, and then all bets are off. Well, I mean, essentially, the uh, the idea of relativism is that there's no universal absolute truth, but truth differs from person to person and culture to culture. In other words, truth is relative to what person each person thinks or what culture thinks. So the, the, the point I want to make is that when a culture is void of God, which is all truth, we're in big trouble. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and I want to— like touch upon this idea in that quote that you shared from Faith and Reason about without true values, you can't fully realize yourself. Here, here's the way that I would explain it. We live in a world in which people don't think that things have objective meaning. Um, the, the only meaning things have are the meaning that I give to them. So you hear people say all the time, they could say that about, you know, two people who have a one-night stand. They could say, oh, it didn't mean anything. And that's them trying to say, like, you know, well, that didn't mean anything for me. And if it happened to mean something for you, gee, I'm sorry. So, like, there's this sort of idea, and that's just one example, that that things generally are are void of meaning. And meaning is for me to fill, like me to give. Uh, as opposed to things actually meaning something. I would say this. If there is a God, then things not only have meaning, but are imbued with meaning. Because God creates for reasons. God, in a sense, has the end in mind when God creates, as all rational beings do. You and I uh, you know, think things through. There are reasons for what we do. And even when we say there's no reason, there's a reason. Well, God is reason itself. Mm. So God created the world for a reason. God created the universe for a reason. God created human beings for a reason. God made you and made me for a reason. God made us male and female for a reason. And God made sex for a reason. Sex was God's idea, you know? And so God knows the reason for it. God knows what it means. You know, I love the um, the part of Scripture where uh, Jesus, uh, during the Passion, goes up to Pontius Pilate, right? And and Pontius Pilate is looking at Jesus and is kind of bewildered and, and, and says to Jesus, Hey, you know, why are you here? What is your name? Who are you? And Jesus says, you know, I am the truth. I'm paraphrasing, but he did say, I came into this world to testify to the truth. And Pontius Pilate responds, well, what is the truth? Like, in other words, that's our culture in a way that um, we can't identify what truth is. We're searching for that truth. We're searching in, in, a, in a way, we're searching for God to tell us what that truth is. And why are we as a culture so opposed to understanding what this truth is? 
Well, I mean, that's a great question. I want to just uh, slide back to your reference to Pilate. When I read that, I, I almost hear him being very dismissive. Truth? <laughs> What's that? What's that? So he almost like looks at Jesus like he's a dreamer. You know, what are you talking about, truth? I don't think Pilate had any real sense that truth was even a thing, you know? Um, now, of course, and this maybe goes to your question, it's really awfully convenient to deny that truth is a thing. <laughs> because, like, if, if truth isn't a thing, then I can live how I want. It, it, it's almost like relativism leads me to this sense where I can use my freedom however I please, and I can do whatever I like. And somehow, I'm convinced that my fulfillment comes in doing whatever I like. But here's the, here's the catch. If God created us for a reason, then it's only in fulfilling the reason he created us that we're going to find fulfillment. So the only way for me to be fulfilled, for me to be happy, is to be what God created me to be. Generally, for every human being, that's to be his image and likeness in the world and to love as he does. But each of us has a, an individual call a way in which God is calling us to live out that life of love in service of his kingdom that is as unique as every one of us is unique. Discovering that call, that vocation, and living that out is going to be the key to happiness. That's why I try to convince the students I teach that, you know, they're going through all this college process. I want to get into this school. I want to do the, the get to the, the, the name school. It's somehow that's going to be what's going to lead to a full life. And I say, hey, wait, I get it, but have you ever asked God where God wants you to go, where God wants you to be, what God wants you to do with your life? Because you could run this race, man, and at the end of it not find happiness because you're not where God wants you to be. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Mm. So why do you think we need this certainty, this truth in matters of faith and morals? Because if we don't believe rightly, if we don't see rightly, if our values aren't true values, they're not going to lead to our fulfillment. They're not going to lead to our joy. They're not going to lead to our happiness. And they're not going to lead to life and life eternal. Mm -hmm. And so this is like yeah. what's really, really crucial. If we don't get what it is we're supposed to believe— what it is we're supposed to do, what ought I do, how ought I live? That's a fundamental human question. It was, it was the question that the rich young man asked Jesus, you know, what good must I do to have eternal life? I mean, the rich young man had a good instinct. He knew there was something he needed to do. If, if we're not clear about that, if the church isn't clear about that, then we're all sort of like wandering. We're floundering, yeah. Yeah, and then we're all going to miss out our happiness. We're all going to miss the mark on happiness because it's only in living these authentic and true values that we're going to find our fulfillment. Why do you think uh, we have such an opposition to acknowledging the truth? Yeah, I, I think that that goes back to the point I was making before. I think people never like you telling them how they should live. Mm. And why? Because generally, they don't want to stop doing what they're doing. And, and, and I, I'm not pointing a finger without pointing three back at me. Mm -hmm. I've been there many times before. I try to convince myself that what I'm doing isn't really what God doesn't want me to do, or somehow there's an exception for me, or, you know, whatever the case may be. But these are all rationalizations so that I can feel okay with what I'm doing because I really don't want to stop. Mm. Yeah. I mean, read the Confessions of St. Augustine. That guy was doing a runaround forever. You know, because he just didn't want to give up what he was doing. And so eventually he had to come to a, a moment of truth, like a, a moment of decision. And, and we all have to be honest enough to, I think, recognize that in ourselves, that really what we're doing is we're trying to skirt the real issue. Um, I think what the good news is, if we make that sometimes really difficult choice to forsake those inauthentic values, to, to kind of give up our sin, to renounce our sin, and to turn to God, there is no way that God is not going to meet us with more grace than we can possibly imagine to help us to do that and to live the true values that are going to set us free and help us to live a life to the full. Yeah, amen. I think, um, I think we all recognize where the truth is. It's just hard. 
to uh, be committed to it. Or like you had said, I'm better off doing this. It's fun. This is exciting. Why do I have to submit myself to that pain? But like you had said, uh, true fulfillment uh, is acknowledging the truth, and that will bring us joy, right? Right. And I think it starts with trust. Mm -hmm. Do I really believe that God is for me? That even when God asks me, calls me to do something that seems difficult that I don't want to do, that ultimately this is for me and I'm going to be better off even if it's difficult and even if it's challenging. It starts with trust. It starts with the trust in God's great love for us. I always see the parallelism uh, between a parent and a child with God and us. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As a parent, you're always trying to uh, – Tell your child this is the way. You try to advise him this is the best way for you. I love you. Go this way. You won't be hurt. You'll have true joy and happiness here, right? But as a child, it's difficult. You want to do your own thing, right? right? And it's not that you don't trust your parents, but you don't believe them sometimes. Right. Or you don't want to, you know, you don't want to follow their direction. Right. Yeah. Or you think you know better. Right. You know, and that's right. We play God a lot in our culture, <laughs> yeah, me right? Too. Yeah. Well, Dave, thanks for um, thanks for uh, this discussion. It's always it's always great sharing, uh, you know, Saint John Paul's teachings. Hey guys, it's Mariama here for Who's That Saint, where I give you three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. One. Born in early 12th century Spain, this saint was born into a family of nobility. And, in fact, his mother is a blessed in the church. Who's that saint? Clue 2. As an adult, this saint studied theology and the arts, proving to be a great student with a promising future in academics. When a plague struck his country, this saint sold all of his riches and goods that he had, including the manuscripts he used to study with. He even attempted to sell himself into slavery to attain more goods for the poor. Who's that saint? Clue 3. Eventually, this saint entered into the Benedictine order as a priest. While on a mission with his fellow brothers to preach against the heresy of the time, Albigensianism, this saint recognized a need for preachers who lived opposed to the world, as well as a need to educate the faithful on the true tenets of the Catholic faith and combat heresy. In the year 1215, this saint formed his own religious order to fulfill this purpose. Who's that saint? If you guess St. Dominic, then you are correct. St. Dominic lived at the same time as St. Francis. And like his Italian counterpart, he gave up all of his earthly riches in search for the greatest treasures that are collected for eternal life. His order, the Dominicans, are known as the Order of Preachers, and they continue the mission of St. Dominic through their educational programs and services. Also, did you know that St. Dominic is the reason that we have the rosary? Our Lady appeared to St. Dominic, and through these apparitions, he formulated the rosary as we know it today spreading devotion to it to combat the heresy of the time. The rosary, as we know, is a powerful prayer that we have in the Catholic Church that walks us through the life of our Lord through the eyes of Our Lady. And we have St. Dominic to thank for that. He is also the patron saint of astronomers, the Dominican Republic, and those who are falsely accused. So, St. Dominic, pray for us. Hey everybody, this is Jack, Array of Hope's Director of Music and Audio Production, coming back at you with another segment of The Music Corner. So, some exciting news from the Array of Hope band. We're going to be traveling to Nashville next week to engage in several different recording ventures. Please pray for us as we embark on this journey down south. And if you want to stay up to date on the content we've been teasing here on The Music Corner and the music and videos we'll be recording in Nashville, make sure to follow us on your music streaming platform of choice and share our music with your family and friends. So I'd like to share with you today a song that we're extra excited about called Abba Father. It's another praise and worship song we've written, and much of the lyrical content within it is derived from scripture. So here's a question for you. Why did Jesus call his father Abba in the Garden of Gethsemane? When we hear the word Abba, 
which is Aramaic for father, many of us think of a certain soft connotation, the nuance of which might be likened to daddy. This may be due to our often sentimentalized dialect. But this is not the overtone Abba is supposed to convey. On the contrary, it denotes primarily obedience. Sure, there's a hint of intimacy in the word Abba, but it's much more than that. Jesus' use of the word Abba during his agony in the garden reminds us that he was perfectly obedient to his Father's will, even to the point of a brutal death. So this song, Abba Father, was written as a prayer for all of us, for the grace to join our wills to God's, because our joy is directly correlated with our obedience to God's will. So here's a sneak peek of Abba Father. everybody we got some exciting news we have a whole new array of hope app and channel a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to god this is available on your desktop roku apple tv iphones and android mobile phones and tablets this channel has movies short faith-filled segments live events and programs you've got to check it out Go to your app store and type in Array of Hope. Chris Stefanik is an internationally acclaimed author, speaker, and television host who has devoted his life to inspiring people to live a bold and contagious faith. His reality TV show, videos, and radio spots reach millions of people worldwide. A graduate of Franciscan University of Steubenville, Chris is also the founder and president of Real Life Catholic, a nonprofit which operates as headquarters for Chris's various initiatives. Above all, Chris is proud to be a husband to his wife, Natalie, and father to their six children. Let's welcome Chris Stefanik. So Chris, so great to be with you and hang with you this afternoon, today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored to be with you, brother. Oh, it's, it's great to have you. So, um, you. I always like to start our interviews uh, really at, at the very, very, very beginning. Actually, you're a Jersey guy, right? You're from Jersey? I'm honored to be a Jersey guy. Right on, brother. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from North New Jersey, about a half hour from Manhattan. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's three states. You know, there's North Jersey. Well, it's really just North Jersey and South Jersey. <laughs> but then the real South Jersey is just like part of Delaware. I'm not sure what we, we call that. But yeah. yeah. Well, from North Jersey, when you think South Jersey, you think the, the Philly area. Right. Which is really kind of central. But anyway, right. yes, right. North Jersey boy. That's great. And, uh, and I'm in Colorado now. Oh, wow. Are you there right now, this very minute? Yeah, I am. Cool. Is it cold there? There's a snowstorm coming in. It was, it was probably 60 degrees yesterday. Oh. It's the most erratic weather ever. Wow. There's a lot of places I've been in the country where they say, if you don't like the weather, stick around five minutes. This is, <laughs> I think, the only place where that's actually true. Wow. Wow. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the Christophonic of the of younger years. You know, were you raised in a Catholic family? Uh, were you always, you know, engaged yeah. with, you know, with our Lord? Tell me a little bit about your, your background. I uh, was raised in a Catholic family. My mom fell in love with the Lord when I was two or three. And I, I just, I remember because of her really falling in love, uh, from my youngest memories about faith, it was always associated with joy in my mind. You know, she was just praising God. She was involved in a charismatic renewal. She was praising God in our house. She gave me sticks that I would play while she sang. <laughs> uh, so that was, a, that's a great, it's a great way to start the faith life. Um, like a lot of people, you know, in my junior high years, the last thing on my mind was, was faith. Mm. Uh, I fell into a phase in sixth, seventh, eighth grade where I wanted to be like my secular rock gods. I had a poster slash from Guns N' Roses on my wall. All right. Yeah. <laughs> a, a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand and his hair <laughs> covering his face. And, uh, I remember, I think seventh grade, I was at a friend's house. I had a crayon in one hand and shot a Jack in the other. 
and <laughs> and I, I wanted to use girls. I wanted to. I, I was not. A, I was really going off the rails really fast with a lot of vice. Mm. Uh, I, was, I remember one time I was drunk on Good Friday. I think that was eighth grade, and um, I regularly hanging out, partying outside, running from the cops. That was a fun activity for me. I, mean, I was not a a good kid at mm. that age, um, but I, I always had a sense of God that never left me through through that time. He was there, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, you know, a lot of parents will lose lose hope when their kids go off the deep end. And I wasn't fully off the deep end. I was still in a fairly controlled life. It's not like I was, uh, you know, I didn't have to go to rehab at twelve, you know. Um, but there's the GPS inside, right? You know, at the at, at the roundabout, make a U-turn, right? The roundabout, make a U-turn. Oh, you're still going the wrong way. You're, you're 20 miles down the road. At the next roundabout, make a U-turn. It just never stopped talking. Uh, so I always had that. Um, and I always knew the Lord loved me. Mm. Uh, my parents dragged me to a retreat I didn't want to go on. This is uh, in eighth grade. Really? Yeah. And the joy in the room when I walked into this conference changed my life. Completely changed my mind. There's that, well, Jesus, when he called us to repent, he said metanoia, which does not metanoia. mean. Metanoia, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't mean change your behavior as, as the word repent, mm-hmm. which I think is a mistranslation, uh, implies. Metanoia means change your thinking. And my thinking was changed right away. Uh, I, I remember this one guy at this conference, he's probably 60, 65. He wasn't cool, looked nothing like Slash. And there was a joy in his face that wrecked me. Wow, and I just I wanted what he had, and I and I was reminded of all that I had as a little uh, as a three year old in the Lord. So was and that retreat that, in New Jersey? Is that where you went? Scranton, Pennsylvania. Scranton oh, okay. Charismatic Conference in Pennsylvania. So you were you were twelve, thirteen years old. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so, yeah, something like that. So was that was the transformative moment in your life where you actually felt God at that moment? Was that it? Yeah. And I really, uh, I really felt as, as I was convicted. I was convicted. Wow. You know, wow. The, the first Christians called themselves the living ones. And mm. I was convicted when I saw them that I was dead. Slash was dead. All these people that I looked up to were dead. <laughs> and that was it for me. And, wow. and, and those people who I saw, would they, they weren't professional Catholic speakers. And they, they didn't have books they wrote. And they weren't on podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a good thing to remember it, it, when someone's, someone might be listening right now thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a professional ministry. If you're a joyful Christian, you are you are God's megaphone to every teenage kid that walks by you, to everybody you encounter, as long as you let them know the cause for your joy. Right. You don't have to even say it out loud or that obnoxiously or even eloquently. You're walking through the grocery store and God bless you. And then that person that that gave you the change every day now knows why you're smiling. Mm. And it will bother them. Yeah. It's the witness, <laughs> right? It's it's sharing the witness. It's being authentic is what really transforms people's heart. Really, they they wonder what is this guy on, right? Yes, <laughs> literally, literally what happened in Acts chapter two. Yeah. That was the first question of the world. What are these people on? Right. Wow. Yeah. There's no other faith that uh, that 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 was at the foundation that everyone who encountered the the people who adhered to that particular faith thought they were drunk at wow. nine in the morning. Wow. That's the foundation of, of the, the church. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Uh, how, how we went from that to incessantly being serious, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I, I know our Lord created us for joy, and that joy is, a, is central to yeah. the witness the world needs right now. Yeah. And we have to get back to it. And, and I'm going to get to that. I'm going to know this, the, your, your latest book is all about mm-hmm. joy, and I'm very interested in that. Um, so uh, from eighth grade then to high school and then college, was it just a, an uphill sort of, uh, you know, experience getting closer and closer to God? There must have been, you know, uh, pot, you know potholes and, and situations that happened along the way that, you know, pushed you back. And it, tell me a little bit about that, yeah. that little bit of journey. Tell us about the yeah, journey. Yeah, my mind changed. My behavior didn't. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But the difference though is like, and I've led many retreats. I, I spent the first 15 years of my, my life serving the Lord in youth ministry. And I, I got the accusation frequently, like these kids have this religious high, this emotional experience. And, and then they go back and they're the same people. It's like, no, they're not. Uh, I, I went back. I was not the same person. I drank. It didn't taste as good. <laughs> I messed up with girls but I now saw it as messing up, 
not not my uh, not mission accomplished. Right. Um, but it was also joyless. It drained me of, of joy because when you compare it with the joy of the Lord, it was all just it was nothing. Mm. It was all nothing. Uh, so there was a struggle through high school, and it was kind of like spiritual puberty. You know, like your 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 nose is growing a little too fast. Your your ears just outpaced your cheeks. Everything's kind of awkward spiritually. And <laughs> I guess I'm still there some days. Yeah. It, but there for, was a there for, was, for guys it yeah. never changes. It's a constant growth, right? right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was that so there's a journey of aligning my behavior to what I knew in high school mm-hmm. and and sharing my faith all along. Yeah. So there's the it was a roller coaster yeah. from mortal sin to saint yeah. incessantly. And it was it was it was a, it still is a blessed journey. It's the only path to joy. Yeah. Right. It's it's not easy. No. Yeah. You know, the, the, the only thing worse than than life with Jesus is life without Jesus. So yeah, yeah, yeah. amen. So, <laughs> you, so when you, you went through high school, so it, you know, you 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 had some failures, you had some successes, but you're obviously your you know your relationship with the Lord kept on growing, and and a desire to, to know Him deeper kept on growing to the point where there must have been a decision you made where you know what I think I'm going to go to school. Because I know you, you went to school for theology yeah. and, and you studied uh, become a theologian and and then you said you know maybe I evangelize I mean ha, what you know for me this, it's a strange yeah. for me because that was not my path you know I came yeah. into evangelization much much later uh, so what was that right. like in your mind thinking you know what maybe I could become an evangelist or like people don't grow up and say what do you want to be when you grow up I want to become an evangelist it's, you know it's not part of their vocabulary tell me what that yeah. was like for you you know I didn't know what I wanted to be. But I knew when that retreat happened, when I was in junior high, that I was going to serve the Lord the rest of my life. Everything wow. else felt instantly like a waste of time. Wow. That's beautiful. And, and I don't want to be disparaging to people how, out there working in the world. Like uh, it was a bl- blessed Pierre Giorgio Fursati. He wanted to be an engineer yeah. so he could serve God and minister to miners and to people, you know, in the mines. So there's a lot of ways to serve God. But for me, it was a direct calling and it came right along my con- with my conversion experience. And that was it, man. Uh, I did, I had no idea what that looked like. I went to college. I studied theology. I thought I might want to be a great theologian. And the Lord was not calling me to that at all. Uh, he was calling me to be an evangelist, to be, to, to be a catechist and evangelist. And, um, you know, I, I, when I was a little kid, I was probably three. My parents asked me, what do you want to be when you grew up? And I, I I gave him a strange look. Like, what are you talking about? I said, I want to be a big one, Christopher. <laughs> I want to be me, but bigger. Why would right. I want to be something else when right. I grow up? Right. Of course, you, you start growing up and you forget that, you know? So I, I, I had all these ideals about what ministry would look like that I, and these molds that were shaped by other people, for other people that I was trying to fit. It took me a very long time to realize that he was calling me to a unique spot in the church. Mm. So here I am. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say those uh, those of our listeners and viewers that don't know who you are. I mean, you're 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 a wonderful evangelist. I, I've seen you speak a couple of times, and uh, uh, you're very entertaining. You're you're full of joy, which is contagious, and and which leads me to your your latest book. Uh, I actually have a copy. I think you signed it and gave it to me uh, when I when we first awesome. met. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about this book. And you know, most people, when you ask them, look, you know, I just want to be happy, you know, but there's something bigger than being happy is living a joyous life. And uh, obviously it was important to you to share it. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the book, the journey while you wrote it, why it's so important, et cetera. This, I mean, this this book is rooted, as as I told you, my conversion experience. It was rooted in in my very conversion. And the reason I'm into this whole faith thing at all, because of the power of joy, it just sucked me into the Lord. And... As the as the years went on, I've, I've been thinking more and more about this the the, the power of joy. Uh, this is a, a pillar of my own my own spiritual life, the charism that God uh, uses through me. But the the ways that God uh, uses us and sets us apart, and the specific charisms He gives us, um, they might come naturally. But there, there comes a time in life where you got to get really intentional about developing and protecting them, because mm-hmm. the evil one wants to destroy. However, you in particular stand out. Each of us stands out in our own in our own special way. Uh, COVID hit, and I'll tell you, if ever there was a challenge to my joy, where the Lord was saying, mm-hmm. "Get really intentional about doing what has usually come naturally to you now. Now is the time." Uh, and this book was written during during COVID, 
And it was written while I was undergoing some of the worst challenges to my own joy mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, you know, I have, I have an apostolate. It's a ministry. It's also a business. Yeah. It's a business based on live events. Mm. I have seven employees whose families and feeding those families I'm responsible for. And all of a sudden we have no events. Um, yeah. We often look at the circumstances in our lives and think, well, that's why I'm not happy right now. No. Metanoia. If you want the joy of the Lord, you change. You know, and sometimes you can't control the circumstances, but you can control what you do. And you, you can work on the ways that you think. And that's the God was calling me into a deep dive into that myself uh, out of my own struggles, uh, gut level, difficult struggles. And that's where this book came about. And I, I, I tell you, the world needs this book now more than ever. Yes. And people are telling us that we've printed 80,000 and they're all gone. Oh, beautiful. That's wonderful. That's great. They're all gone. The, the Augustine Institute formers is printing another, I think, half Amen. million for, that's great. For, uh, for Easter, for parish book program. Um, so for that, that's for purchase in bulk. Yeah. Uh, Paul Center is getting another, um, I printed probably 10,000 more. The hardcovers, that's what you can get on Amazon. There's a couple left in Amazon. I'm not sure you can even get on there right now. Mm-hmm. We do have a video program uh, that you can get if you text the word joy to, to the number 44144. Or if you're from New Jersey, 44144. Four, yeah. Hey, for, 144. Hey, forget about it. We'll get and it. We'll get it. Don't worry about it. it. Get the yeah. book. It's free. We'll you know, it's it. a $97 value. It's free. So uh, <laughs> have some coffee. Talk about joy. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it, the video program follows all the stuff in the book. That's and awesome. there's, there's uh, downloadable small group resources to go along with it because he wants you to do this with your friends. Mm. So we go through nine practical rules for living joy, short videos. And there's a uh, there's 21 short videos and there's 11 small group sessions. So you can work on one of the rules per week, which is one to two videos per rule, and uh, and then meet with friends and, awesome. and process the stuff. Life changing. It's been yeah. life changing for me. Yeah, that's really awesome. Happens. And I think you hit the nail on the head, especially during COVID. I mean, the instances of suicide uh, are up. Uh, depression. Uh, just people are unhappy and. Um, I mean, there is a difference of uh, being happy and living a joyous life. And uh, um, I, I, I sense this in you that once you kind of discovered that uh, through the trials and tribulations that you went through, I mean, it's yep. it's natural. You want to share what you've learned. Uh, I know for yep. myself in my life, uh, just because I'm new to evangelization, I form my own organization as well uh, later in life. And I experienced a, an immense amount of joy and euphoria just just living mm. in 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 the presence of our lord and and sh- spreading the gospel and, and and sharing the beauty of our church so it, you know being joyous is real right and you know and and it's oh, yeah. so important so and and and, and you know I was I read your book I mean I read your book and like you can do it in a day really it's so great and and, yeah. and it's really you know it's got some great little nuggets maybe you could share a little bit with our viewers and listeners you know what are some of the you know the quick fixes or what are the things that we should look at I mean I could I could share them but I'd like you to share them yeah uh, well first I love that you, you brought the distinction between happiness and joy yeah and I suppose it depends on how you define your terms. And I, I, the way I define them in this book, that happiness would be <clears throat> the, the surface level feelings you have that you can't necessarily control. Kind of like the surface of the ocean. can't The ocean can't control itself. If winds hit it, you're going to get waves. Dive deeper. It, it, I love body surfing. You dive deep when a five, 10 foot wave is coming at you if you're in Hawaii and, or, big, or big wave beach. And, and, it's, and you grab the sand and it's still. Just a couple feet down. There's nothing happening. And, and there's the place where the joy is. It's the deep spiritual joy, and you can have that alongside suffering. Uh, so then there's things that we can do, and again, this is, this is not just self-help. This is God's help. When you implement his word in your life, and when you come from a Christian worldview, there's an actual reason for joy. This isn't shallow secularism. Right. It, it creates that space, that unmovable spot, where there's actual spiritual joy no matter what's going on. So the book is based on nine rules. You want to, I'm going to rattle off the nine rules? Right on. Yeah, man. Go. Good. Uh, one, give thanks. Two, practice silence. Three, love yourself. Four, have fun. Five, engage your body in the battle for joy. Six, make friends. Seven, rest. Eight, serve. And nine, frame your mind with faith. 
And all of these are, are followed. Every chapter is packed with scripture, practical wisdom, latest scientific research, and lands every single chapter on two to three really simple things you could do to implement these things into your life. All of which will probably leave you saying, duh, I knew that, to which I'd say, duh. So do it. You got to yeah. do it. You got to do the things you know you're supposed to always be doing to make your life awesome. Uh, so that's that's what this is about. It's, it's getting back to those basics and it's uh, it's changing. Again, I say it changes people's lives. This really did change my life. Again, brought me deeper into a more solid joy in hard times. Just just being intentional about, okay, what do I have to do? Like, mm-hmm. here's a nice idea. Like, I know I should be more grateful. Okay, great. Dude, nice ideals don't help. They don't make a difference in your life. If they don't land on, so what's that look like today, right now? Yeah, and, and it was really a lot of practical stuff. I mean, you, you touched about, you know, gratitude, you know, you know, mm-hmm. a different perspective, your disposition on viewing things and, and, and ingesting things, you know, silence. You spoke about silence. So these are all things that we all know. And uh, I think you even touched based upon it a little bit earlier. It, it's just a matter. It's an intentional discipline. Uh, it's like anything, you know, I'm a musician by trade, you know, so in order for me to have gotten to a level of perfection, I needed to practice. Uh, it's like that with our faith, right, Chris? I mean, I, you've actually talked about that. I mean, we have to work at it. Uh, if joy, being a state of joy is important to us, which it should be, and and, right. and, and involving, you know, uh, our Lord in that joy, because he's part of that. He's the one that's instrumental in implementing that in our lives. You know, that should be like the most important thing in our lives, Right. Yeah. And, and it is, uh, it is the most important thing, whether or not we know it. It's the most urgent thing. It's not only important, but urgent. Usually important things are swallowed up by urgent things in our lives. And we go through life and we'll look back and say, well, I was good at answering all those emails. <laughs> what yeah. a waste that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 ur- I, I, and the, so this, in this book, I drive this home and I want to drive it home right now. This is urgent. This is not a luxury. Especially these times. Right. When times are tough, this yeah. is not a luxury. Yeah. Uh, the, the scripture verse, the joy of the Lord must be your strength. Mm. It was spoken to God's people when they were in exile, being called home to right. rebuild their fallen city. And in the ancient world, that was a bad thing. A fallen city meant you, you go there, there's no walls to protect you from your neighbors. That's death. And in that miserable context, I mean, they, they were being called to leave their comfort and maybe die and go to war. They hear joy must be my strength. What? The joy is a call to war. Joy is not what you get when the war is over. It, spiritually, it's what you need to go into the war. Mm. If you're finding yourself having, having to rebuild life right now, whether it's with your, with your family, your emotional life, your business, your spiritual life, don't wait till the rebuilding's done. You need joy to pick up the first brick. So you need first and foremost to take care of yourself, to work on yourself, uh, because the, the world needs you, needs your strength. The, the church is, is messy right now. It needs you. Teenage me needs you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joy's got to be your strength. And you know what some people don't realize is that, um, you know, once you uh, acquire, uh, and, and like we, we shared, it's, it's hard work. You know, you have to, it's intentional. Yeah. You have to constantly work at it. But once you, you get into that zone, it actually makes your life much easier. It, it, it enables you to tolerate, not tolerate, that's the wrong word. It enables yeah. you to deal with stress, anxiety mm-hmm. at a different, in a different way because you're confident yeah. that the Lord's got your back, right? You know, uh, yes. it, 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 it changes your perspective of, the view of the world and what's happening around you because it's almost like you've got this armor on. Yo, yeah. you're not going to penetrate me because I am in the zone kind of a thing, right? Yeah, I know who I am on the inside, right? Amen, yeah. I, and, we're, it's, and it's not easy for me. It's not easy for anybody. It's I mean, not. Uh, I, I've heard, I heard a great saying that we're all leaky tires, <laughs> right? But it's, it's a, yeah, it's about taking these steps, doing these things. And, and I know there's some people who think, well, I, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that happy. I'm not, or I, I can't, I can't, do this. That's just, I'm too, I'm too down. There's, there's a funny saying that you can't get there from here. And that's funny because you can get anywhere from anywhere else. You know, it's about taking those steps from wherever you are. Yeah. Right and, now. And, and you know what? You deserve it. I mean, you know, the Lord yeah. wants you to be 
in this state of joy, yes. uh, joyfulness. And, it, you know, he didn't, he didn't create us to, for us to be miserable or unhappy or, or just struggling or just going through the, our lives in a mundane way, right? I mean, this is yeah. part of our makeup that we need to discover and find, right? Well, this is why rule three is so essential to love yourself. And this is where I dive into all this stuff. I mean, people, people are, it's hard for people to accept the fact that God created us for joy. Yeah. That he actually wants you to be happy. That, that heaven is described as a wedding banquet, which is a place where everyone has a stupidly large smile on forever. <laughs> that's, that's his dream for you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. lean into that dream and, and claim the reality that you're worth it in some strange way. God thought you were, Mm -hmm. he died for you and you need to align your thinking with how he sees you and what he, what the worth that he sees in you. Mm -hmm. Frankly, you got to do that to, to engage any of the other rules for joy. Otherwise you won't think that you deserve self care, silence. You you won't see what you have to be grateful for. All these rules are interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the false promises of happiness that the world sells us? That, uh, that you can get it through stuff, through all your circumstances and your externals changing, mm-hmm. uh, that you could have it without faith. Right. That, and I think that's, I don't think it works, man. I mean, and, and I'll give you proof of it. We've never told young people more frequently ever in history to love and believe in themselves and that they can do anything they set their minds to. We've never said that more frequently. It is a fact that Generation Z, which is the least gener- religious generation in history, mm. in history, is the most miserable generation in history. <laughs> There is more anxiety, depression, self-loathing. All we're telling them is falling on deaf ears because we're telling them to be happy, but not why. And without without a a firm faith worldview, you you don't have a reason, a compelling reason to be joyful. We're telling them that, you know, if a secularized worldview basically says there's no inherent meaning to life, you are self-aware space sludge, believe in yourself. All the stars you see in the night sky will all go out someday and everyone and everything that's ever happened will all disappear in dust in a universe in ruins. You can accomplish anything you set your mind to. Uh, why aren't they happy? Why aren't they joyful? Well, that's why. That's why. So the, the world's throwing a lot of lies at people. And I, and I do, I mean, I don't want to be too disparaging to secular self-help gurus. They're trying and there's some steps they're, they're encouraging people to take, especially to wake up and take ownership of, of the fact that you have to work on yourself uh, that are good. Those are good things, but it's totally incomplete. It's totally incomplete without faith and without divine help, without the right worldview and without divine help. Yeah, so I mean, we, which leads me to my next question. I mean, how is it possible to have true joy without living in accordance with the truth of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I don't, you, I don't think you, you really, really, really can. You can't, right? Uh, and, and, and that might sound, um, that might sound arrogant, but I, I, this is these are this is not stuff I made up or that you made up. We're receiving this, and Pope Benedict XVI wrote this too in my favorite encyclical, Space Salvi, which is about hope. And, you know, he said that there are other, every other religion offers some, some reason to hope. If you believe in a God, then that God is the maker and he has a plan for your life. But only Christianity offers the truly compelling reason to hope, especially in the face of human suffering. Mm-hmm. Because we have a God who loved us and who suffered with us. Right. And, and only Christianity gives the full, the full meaning to uh, why we should have hope when life is hard. Because mm. our Lord paved the path before us and he is love yes and he shows us how to suffer he didn't, he didn't suffer so we wouldn't have to but so we know how to right uh so that, that gives a sense of purpose even to the worst moments there's there's no other faith that's that has embraced the full human experience like the one that follows the god man mm. god bless you and your work chris it's really been fun sharing the faith with you uh what's on deck you know what are you working on what do you want to share with our viewers and our listeners that uh they should know about in addition to the book and and these videos that you're that you spoke about yeah i want everybody text joy to four to the number four four one four four you'll get a sign up tab you're going to see in that some resources for small group ministry that's a tip into what we're working on i'm convinced that the renewal of the church is in small group ministries, is in people sharing life together. And then if you meet friends who are maybe interested in the faith, the first place you invite them is not your mass. That's not the front porch to Christianity. It's your house over a beer or a cup of coffee where you will offer them a place where people are sharing life together and supporting each other. 
and grown in faith together. If we can make that simple for people, you don't have to have a master's in theology. You don't have to be commissioned in ministry. You're commissioned by virtue of your baptism mm-hmm. and confirmation. Uh, so I want to I want to create resources that make that simple for people, and that's all on our on our website. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for Living Joy, um, and I and I want to empower you to do that. Our live events are the entry point into that for a lot of people. Uh, I got to speak to about two hundred thousand people before uh, before COVID hit, and we're restarting that with a vengeance. Reboot is our big live event. Right. We have um, a six-month outreach plan before the event. So everywhere I go, it's between 500 and 1,000 or 1,500 people at every single parish, even small town USA. Our first reboot was a town of uh, 1,500 people and 1,100 people came in, in Linton, North Dakota. Awesome. Um, and it's all because of the outreach. I mean, mm-hmm. most people come, I'd say half of them don't usually go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, not, they're not regulars. They're not the devout crew. Uh, but it's it, it came because they were invited. So I'm I love unleashing these outreach teams. Going to give a talk is fun. Working with these teams for months before I get there, our teams working with your team, it's so rewarding just to see the church come alive. I, I think God is is telling all of us right now. It's not one fire that I intend to renew the world with right now. It's ten thousand micro fires. Start them. I'm not just going to keep sending big saints for everybody to rest on their laurels and say, hey, I'm with that guy. Hey, I'm with Mother Teresa. No, no, no. I want your neighbor to say, hey, I'm with you. Right? That's where the Lord, I'm convinced, is leading us right now. And we have to lean into that anointing, all of us, all of us together. And, and I, I hope that our ministry helps people with that. I hope my person helps people with that. I think if I'm anointed in a particular way, people don't look at me and think there's an inaccessible theologian kind of guy who's so much smarter than me or so much better looking or so much famouser more famous than me. I, I, I usually come off to people as an average guy that leaves people thinking I could do that to which I'd say, yes, you can. That's the entire message of our ministry. <laughs> yeah. That's, so do it. that's great. That's beautiful. Uh, well, Chris, uh, it's been uh, a pleasure, you know, spending time with you. Uh, thank you so much uh, for just, uh, you know, hanging with us. Uh, yeah. I, yeah I, you I, too. I wish you all the best and let's continue to pray for one another. Thank you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you too. Thanks. Well, we've come to another ending of a podcast. So sorry. I mean, we can go on forever, right? But we're glad that you joined us for this podcast. It's been fun. It's been informative. And hopefully we've gained some fellowship and really grown closer to God. I want to remind you to please share this. I want to thank our donors and our supporters for allowing us to do this. And you can become part of the Array of Hope family and be part of allowing us to do our work by just going to our website at arrayofhope.net. Also, stay in touch with us every week on social media. They are doing amazing work, keeping us engaged through music, videos, and daily reflections. Also, stay tuned on Instagram. We do the daily chaplet, which is beautiful, and and it keeps us in a state of prayer every day at 3 p.m. So please join us for that at 3 p.m. every day on Instagram. Our guest next time will be Catholic speaker and author Donna Marie O'Boyle. So thanks so much for joining us today, and there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.